Well, hello there, and welcome again to The Great Story Podcast. I am your host for this show, Ryan Weber, and what you've stumbled across is a podcast where people tell their stories. Uh, they tell their life stories, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, uh, the things worth celebrating and the things worth crying over. And we do both here. But most of all, I try to get to the core of how people came to know Christ and what it's just looked like in their life to be a follower of His. I mean, these are real stories of real people with real lives following a, a real God. And uh, I think it's the most encouraging thing possible. It's the most powerful story that anyone has is their own life and just what following Christ has looked like for them. Uh, it's my hope that these interviews are encouraging for you know followers of Christ um, who are just on fire and want to be more on fire, but that they're encouraging for folks who have maybe uh, you know put some distance between them and their relationship with God, and uh, that it would motivate them to come back. And if you're listening and you're questioning, you're not a Christian, you're just a kind of exploring what this Christian thing sounds like, gosh, it's my hope that, that in listening to these stories that these people share, you would see the face of God through their life, that the fact that he's done impossible things through people, and that he can do impossible things through anyone, including you. Uh, he can do anything in and through a willing heart, for sure. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, if you want to be on the show, I want you to come on the show. Come talk to me. Uh, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, first, you can go to patreon.com and just search for The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, kick a few bucks down our way. It's always helpful. Uh, definitely not trying to get rich doing this podcasting thing, <laughs> but uh, having it pay for itself is definitely a positive. Um, and the other way you can support the show is to share the episodes. Uh, if you hear something here that you think would be encouraging to someone else or reminds you of someone else, you know, we talk about a subject that they're interested in, uh, shoot them a link. Yeah, that's the way these things grow. And it just, it's my hope that these stories would get out, that the messages would get out, and that people would come to know more of, of who their creator is through what he's done in his people. That's that's the real goal here. Uh, so today uh, is a interview that I did while I was on a trip to Las Vegas with our high school group at my church. Uh, we did a trip to the YWAM base, which is the Youth With A Mission in Vegas, and they host uh, groups of interns and high schoolers and students to go into Vegas and do uh, mission work there with homeless and, and foster care and all kinds of things, you know, things on the strip, praying for people. Uh, the gal who is currently the director of the program is named Christina Turner, and uh, I talked to her for a bit. I, I had heard her story in bits and pieces over a couple of years, and uh, this woman has impressed me uh, deeply. Uh, there's, it, It's a rare privilege that you get to sit uh, across the table from somebody who you really believe emanates uh, gospel to you. you. You can feel the power of Christ coming out of somebody, and, and I've rarely felt it the way that I have with Christina. She's a powerful person, incredible story, and an amazing grasp on the gospel. And uh, believe it or not, she's 22 years old, and she's running uh, an incredibly powerful program in an incredible place. And it was a true privilege to talk to her and sit down with her and get to know her. And uh, it's my hope that this interview is a blessing for you to listen to as much as it was for us to record it. So with that said, here we go.
I pray for us before we start? And then yeah, absolutely. We'll just jump right in. Sounds great. Did you get to do Bashiro's already, or am I going first? You're the guinea pig. Oh my gosh, all right. Okay. <laughs> she wanted to do it uh, tomorrow, I think. Okay, cool. Or the next time you're doing one of those, I guess. Okay. She's going to come over here. This is fun. All right. <laughs> uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time that we managed to squeeze in today. Uh, just the provision that you've, you've given both of us of uh, a place to do this, the, these crazy technological toys to play with. Um, I just pray for the, the difficult day uh, and night that seems like both of us have had. Uh, our families are hurting. Uh, our souls are questioning, you know, wanting to know what, what's going to happen, what's happening. And uh, you don't wonder these things. You are so powerful and wise and strong. And uh, we know we can turn to you always. Uh, I pray that you guide our conversation and that all of the other uh, Christinas out there uh, are just going to hear uh, words from her that you will use to soften hearts that are hard or relight ones that are extinguished. And I just thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Christina, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, my my one complaint so far today is the heat. I can't uh, I can't do it. You know, that's what it's I, like in Vegas in the summer, but the rest of the year is really nice. I don't know if, if, if you ever cooked a turkey before, like for Thanksgiving or anything. Sadly, not yet. Okay, well, when you do, you'll find out that there's a, a certain amount of thawing time that has to happen for turkeys, like per pound. You have to thaw it for longer. And so I, I apply the same theory to me <laughs> because once I get warm, like I need to sit inside of like a freezer for an hour to finally cool off. So I start sweating here at about like 830 and I just don't oh stop gosh. all day. It's ridiculous. I'm like, this is mission work for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, so can you start? Just tell me a little bit about where we're sitting right now. Yeah. So we're sitting um, in YWAM Las Vegas' prayer room. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're in Las Vegas, working with Grace City Church and YWAM Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. What does uh, YWAM stand for? Youth with a Mission. Youth with a Mission. And they're actually all over the world. Yeah, there's a lot of YWAM bases. I know we've got one in San Francisco that some of our students have gone to before. I missed that trip. Oh, really? But... Uh, yeah, it's amazing. And and you guys have groups of high schoolers that cycle in. You have interns that come from different colleges. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys do mission-wise while you're here? Yeah, so our heart is love, revival, missions, and discipleship. And yeah. so, so much of what we do is showing people that it's easy to live life on mission if you're intentional. So mm -hmm. like almost all of the outreaches that we do you can repeat at home. And so like yeah. we want to show people that everyone is someone God died for. And so we're loving the homeless and we're so practical because they actually want conversations. So mm. we're going to sit down on the street with a lunch for us and a lunch for them. And we're going to ask them their story before we ask to pray for them. And before we like yeah. jump down at them with our stuff, we want to know who they are. And yeah. um, we get to do outreaches like free prayer because on Fremont Street in the Strip, everyone is selling something right yeah. everyone's got a sign a gimmick that they want you to come over for and so instead of being another person that sells something 
we're people who are offering prayer yeah. and we everyone it gets everyone's attention because everyone's like free isn't prayer always free and we're like yeah like, yeah <laughs> but we want you to come over and we want you to get prayed for yeah um we do things like worshiping on the las vegas strip and we just know god inhabits the praises of his people and so yeah we truly believe that we're taking ground back in all these different dark places and um the irony really is that Las Vegas is actually the brightest city in the world right now with all of the lights. <laughs> and so we are just asking that to be a prophetic thing. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's kind is of that crazy. True? Yeah, it's is true. It really the, oh. Yeah, you can look it up. Okay. <laughs> I will. I'll look it up later. <laughs> no. I like that. Yeah. And yeah. so we've when been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. We do a lot of two by twos as well, like just going out in pairs and just going up to people and talking to them. And yeah. we babysit for foster care families. And Yeah. And I saw there's a food pantry that goes on here during the day too yeah there's a food pantry that goes on here there's a food pantry that goes on at the church on thursdays so there's a lot of food pantries this is is a very active little building right here it's crazy yeah yeah a lot of things happen they also have like nail days for prostitutes to come and love (laughs) on them they have banquets for the neighbors gosh what a busy spot How, how long have you been here so technically, I have lived here for a year, but I came out okay. every single summer in between college. So yeah. I, they joked that I'm a part-time Las Vegas resident for a while now. Nice. Long, yeah. Long enough to call it home, probably. Yeah. You, do you feel like you're home, or do you still feel like you're on a mission? Oh, I absolutely feel like I'm at home. Yeah. What makes it that way for you? I think the community and just the amount yeah. of heart I have for the city. And so... Yeah. There's a lot of family here. People who deeply want to live out, like what it talks about in the Bible, that kind of fellowship is really what we want to live out here. Like a lot of eating meals together and going after the kingdom together and praying with one another and worshiping with one another. And so I think community really makes family and family makes home. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. You should bumper sticker that. I like that. (laughs) I've never said that before, so there you go. That, really? You haven't practiced for real? That no, just came that out was, right now. That was the Holy Spirit. So Get out there of you here. Go. I like it. Say that again. Community makes family. Community makes family, family makes, and family makes home. That's beautiful. Remember that. You should use that again. I'll have to re-listen that's, to this to remember yeah, it, yeah. That was really good. Okay. <laughs> we know notes. There's no prompters. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so our, our church has come out here three times now. So there was... The last three years. I've been for the last two years. And um, I can for sure say that of all the activities that our you know, youth group does, all of them will tell you that this is their favorite, most impacting, like deepest spiritual experience or event. They, you know, all of them say, well, on, on, like when you ask them, like, when do you, when have you felt the most growth or when did you feel a change or when do you feel like you really understood like who Christ was and, and a lot of them say, yeah, well, it, well, when we were on the mission trip, and then they tell the story. Wow. And it, it's it's irreplaceable, I think, for them. Hmm. For me, too. I mean, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> like, you, you can't come here and do this and go away just shrugging your shoulders, right? This is a, this is a full immersion <laughs> kind of experience for them. I love that. I love that. And, you know, yeah. it's funny because our interns say the same thing. Um, our college students that yeah. come out for the whole summer, yeah. um, which also tell all your graduating seniors to come back. Yeah. Um, but they say the same thing. And really, I think it has everything to do with Jesus and with the way that God loves to display his glory, right? Like if he can save Nineveh, then why wouldn't he want to do a revival in Las Vegas? And like, yeah. 
what a parallel it is that in a city known for sin, it's where a lot of people find the deepest level of intimacy with God. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, it's, it's an extreme environment in all regards. Yeah. It, I mean, whatever you can think of is, is the, the uber version of it, whether it's the sin field or the mission field. It's like, it's kind of every, everything is here. Yeah. Everything down to where this building is at is extreme. Like the, the neighborhood it's in. You would yeah. think you go a block that way and you turn around. You could tell me you were in, you know, Bosnia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say, wow, yeah, great, this place is crazy. <laughs> but we're in the United States. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada. Like, we're right here. And, you know, a couple of miles that way is buildings a mile high with the brightest lights, you know, shining up to the the heavens or whatever. Yeah, it's a view, it's a very unique city with a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's crazy. So you I'm trying to understand your employment situation here cuz the yes. whole the, the relationship between the church and the the mission still confuses me kind of. So if you break okay. break that down a little bit. So I actually work for Grace City Church. Okay. Um the Cheryl who you'll hear from later, she works yeah. for YWAM. Okay. Um, but the internship and the missions trips for high school students are a partnership. Okay. And so basically, Grace City Church was planted seven years ago, and they were doing all this amazing outreach throughout the city. And then they met this guy named Richard Thompson, who yeah. had planted YWAM Las Vegas uh, 20-something years prior. And they realized that he was doing all the same things we were doing and we could probably do it a lot better together. And so they actually asked him to join our staff and he became fully YWAM, fully Grace City. So he was (laughs) on staff with YWAM and Grace City at the same time. And so that's when he started this internship and started doing the missions trips together. And so when he left, I got his job on the Grace City end and Vicheryl got his job on the YWAM end of the way we led things. And we love the partnership, right? Because missions and the church are supposed to go together. Yeah. They're supposed to work together. And doing all that outreach, there needs to be a local church to do discipleship. And yeah. um, really, my heart is for missions, but it's also for the church. And so I love that I'm kind of the bridge to see that happen in my yeah, body. Cool. And that Vishiro is the bridge to see people get plugged in into that's cool. a church. So, okay. Now yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I met Richard... But where is he now? What is he, what is he's he doing? He's in uh, Kona. There's a giant, actually Whoa. the most popular YWAM base in the world right now is Kona, Hawaii. And so nice. he felt like the Lord <laughs> called him out of here to Kona. But really, he's going Man. all over the world. That's just where his base is. But they're sending him out all the time to all different okay. nations. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if that called me to Kahona thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. people are always saying that. They're like, they called you to Vegas. They yeah. called you to Kona. Right. Poor, poor guy. That, that, re- that mission and retirement right now. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. Wow, yeah, he's a cool dude. Cool. I never met anyone quite like him. Interesting. I meet a lot of people that I've never met before out here. It's, it's the extremes, right? Yeah, the extreme people come here. So if you could, just so people can get a, a better understanding of, of exactly what's going on here. Um, before we do our outreaches, a lot of times you guys tell some stories. About like, oh, we were out, you know, uh, doing the free prayer thing one time when this person walked up and said this crazy thing. And we're all like, wow, I hope that happens today. Um, do you have a, a, just a couple of those off the top of your head that, that would help people just say like, like, wow, okay, something's happening out here at YWAM Vegas. 
Yeah, so, oh gosh, I've got a lot of amazing stories, but uh, a lot of the ones that I really love are, well, the fact is, Las Vegas' suicide rate is three times the national average, and so something, yeah, yeah three times. Crazy. I mean, you, you said that a couple days ago. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, and it's insane, but the thing is, the Lord is bigger than statistics, and so something we often find is that when we go out and talk to people and pray for them, they get to know Jesus. They literally get saved on the spot, and they say, I was going to commit suicide tonight, and like, obviously God didn't want me to, this is insane. And so that's a story we keep running into. And yeah. my favorite one of that um, was a few years ago um, when I was an intern, actually. Uh, we saw this man who was in a wheelchair. He was a veteran holding a sign on Fremont Street. And yeah. me and this guy walked up to him and we were like, hey, we're, so, we're from YWAM Las Vegas and Grace City Church. And we're just praying for people. Like, can we pray for you? And he was like, I'm not talking to God right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> We're not on good terms. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, okay. Well, the guy that I was with was like, oh, really? Well, that's fine. Let's just talk to you. And he basically just started talking to the guy. And eventually he's like sharing his testimony. And yeah. all of a sudden this guy starts to like tear up on mm. Fremont Street. And this guy had been like stone cold. like, And he was like, okay, okay, fine. You want to know why I'm not talking to God right now? And we were like, yes. And he was like, because I'm a disabled veteran, I'm homeless, and six months ago, my wife of 40-something years left me. And mm. she didn't. She left without a trace, and so here I am, homeless on the streets because she left me, and that's why I'm not talking to God. And we were like, whoa. And he's like, but since you spent this long, fine, you can pray for me. Pray <laughs> for me. Go for it. And Whatever. so, yeah, and he's like crying, uh, and like, so we start praying for him, and it's awesome. And afterwards, he says he wants a card with, like, our church on it and yeah. different things like that. And so and the guy that I've been teamed up with goes to go get paper and pen, and he looks at me, and he goes, you want to know something? I was like, sure. He was like, you guys saved two lives tonight. And I was like, oh, really? How? Huh. Like, looking at him, because it's just him. Like, right. he's rededicating <laughs> his life to Jesus, but that's one person, so who else? His imaginary friend is Exactly, there. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I hired a private investigator with the last bit of my money and I still have my gun from when I was in the military and uh, today I got the call that they found my wife and so after this I was going to go get my gun and I was going to shoot her and then shoot myself and because you guys oh. because you guys were obedient to the Lord <laughs> because you guys were obedient to the Lord that's not going to happen dude yeah and that was like wow evangelism really is like a life or death situation and and wow. then, you know, yeah, just crazy things like that happen all the time. We were doing Viva La Worship one time, and this guy was there, and he was, like, I mean, wasted, out of his mind, wasted. And he, it's one of those people where, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, gosh, this is going to make this hard. But right. uh, two people went up to him anyway, and five minutes into the conversation, he, like, jolted back a little bit and then reintroduced himself and then went, oh, my gosh, I was drunk, and now I'm sober. What happened? What did you do? And he, like, <laughs> freaked out. And... They were like, well, that must be the Holy Spirit. Like, you've been listening to worship music. Like, that's God. Like, he sobered you up because he wants to talk to you. Whoa. And so by the end of this conversation, this guy gave his life to Jesus. He's like, you've got to let me do something. You've got to let me give you money. You've got to do something. I was going to kill myself tonight. That's why I drank so much because I couldn't live with my decision. And you guys, like, came and talked to me and God encountered me. And and so, like, crazy things like that just keep happening. And Gosh. Yeah. You, you really just... <laughs> <laughs> like insane things happen like that um That's and so cool. 
people just don't realize that people are actually desperate for hope and they don't realize it's Jesus a lot of times because of the way society paints Jesus. Yes. But when we get to go tell them that he's way more loving than he ever is angry, like it changes things. And when you carry the presence of God and it's not just like an obligation to tell people, but you actually carry his presence because you feel loved. Yeah. uh, People see that and they feel it and it saves their lives. You know, I, I love that and I love your excitement about it. That's infectious. This is. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be excited that people's lives are getting changed? Exactly. You know, and it wow. has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus. Amazing. Well, you're you're. There's something happening here. I could tell you that. For sure. Wow, that's so cool. Thanks for those. Yeah. I feel like I I I heard you tell the first one at some point. Yeah, I tell that one often because I think a... that was the most shocked I've ever been. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've heard a lot of crazy stories out there because when you are talking to people in Las Vegas, they so the extreme thing against so many of them have crazy stories, and so it's not that often that I'm surprised because I expect the extreme. Mm. But that one really like just took me off guard, and I just realized like how much obedience yeah. actually like does when you say yes to God, and how it's so much. The whole thing is it's not about us. Like, it's about right. Jesus and his kingdom. And, like, right. when we realize that, then, like, our bad days, it doesn't matter that we don't want to go out and tell people about the love of Jesus. They need to hear it. And um, Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, it, that was literally a life or death situation for two people. Yeah. No, I love that, that obedience, right? I mean, because there's, I think, one thing that we miss in a lot of our modern church culture is this, there's, there's a difference between... Uh, our calling and our feeling. <laughs> yeah. And we might be called to do things that don't feel great, that we're not, you know, excited about in the moment, but that that's the mission we're on. I mean, I, I look at, uh, I go back to Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane all the time, crying, asking, let this cup pass from me, sweating blood, but obedient. Oh, but obedient, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that I, was his job. That this, I came to do this. I'm going to do it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. But I mean, even John the Baptist says that, right? When his disciples are getting jealous that Jesus is baptizing more people. And he's right. like, I'm, I'm, he's the groom. Like, yeah. I'm just the best man. Like, it's yeah. all about him and his bride. And I think a lot of us, it's like, I heard someone talk about this once of like, we, we make our lives all about us. And it's kind of like yeah. that awkward cousin who like barely knows the family, right? Coming to a <laughs> wedding and being like, oh, I'm going to sit at the bride and groom's table yep, and I'm going right. to wear a nicer dress than the bride. And you know, that one that would try and steal the show. And yep. you're like, no, no one would ever do that. That's absurd. But like, truly, <laughs> that's what we do to Jesus all the time. We're like, yes. it's about me. It's fine. And He's it's like, no. I'm around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to hear more about you. I, I want to rewind the clock a little bit. And go back in time. Okay. And just let you, like, if, help me figure out how, how you became this person. Because you are extremely unique uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I see what you do here. I, I, you know, I saw you last year. And then over the year I hear, yeah, she's in charge now. And I remember just thinking, like, yes. Like, that's the person. <laughs> like, I'm so glad they picked her. This is going to be great. We're going back. Um, but, but... What made you this way? Give, give me some of the backstory and just how Christ came into your life, how he's changed you, and just 
what your relationship with him is like now. How, how does this all work? Well, thank you, first off, for just saying all of that. I feel like I'm way in over my head uh, doing that's, what I do. That's perfect. So. That's exactly how you should <laughs> feel because you are. You're not over his, though. That's the thing. That's the truth of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so back in time. So my yeah. testimony. So um, I grew up in a Christian household, but it was a very interesting Christian household in the sense that my parents got saved when I was born. Okay. Um, and they both came from very extreme lifestyles, like uh, gang activity, drugs, fighting, prison, all those kind of things were mm. what my parents were coming out of. And um, basically when my mom got pregnant with me and they decided that they were going to find Jesus and that that was the only way to raise me well, uh, even though I already had two older brothers. Um, okay. And so... That was like their decision. And so they moved back to Long Island, New York, where I'm from and from Arizona, where they were at at the time. And um, basically, they just started going to church on Sunday. And my dad went to Catholic church and my mom went to Nandanam and I went to both churches every single Sunday. We had Sunday (laughs) double double hitters. Oh, double hitters every Sunday. You were not allowed to miss. And um, (laughs) we had Sunday morning breakfast and we prayed before meals. And like I always saw my mom reading the Bible. But like the thing is, my parents were still figuring out so much. And so they didn't necessarily know how to like speak about the love of God other than like kind of showing it. And so um, my childhood was very interesting for many reasons. And one of them is because the way they wanted to show Jesus's love was by taking in people who came from extremely bad backgrounds as such as they did, mm. or people who were extremely unloved by their parents and giving them a second chance. And the only requirement was that they came to church on Sunday and that they either went to school or get a job. Huh. Um, Where did they find them? Uh, literally, my brother would bring them all. <laughs> just like, hey, buddy, get in. Yeah, like, and then just, you know, cousins, um, <laughs> an uncle. Wow. Just different people. And they were awesome, amazing people. They are like my brothers and sisters, so many of them. Yeah. Um, but that made my house kind of crazy all oh, the time. Like Gosh. it was always full. Like I had a giant full house my entire life. And, <laughs> um, you know, it was kind of crazy too because so many of them were getting into fights out inside of my house and they were selling drugs out of my garage and my parents didn't know. And they were Ooh. they were doing a lot of different things, right? And so at a very young age, at like five years old, four years old, um, my mom told me that I had to be her golden child because my brother was wild. All the kids they were taking in were wild. My little sister was wild and she needed someone to be good. And my eldest brother had just passed away. And so she just, she was like, you need to be my golden child. And so I remember at five years old, knowing that Jesus was real and that he was good. Um, but something kind of switched in my brain when that happened, when she said that it was like, Oh, this is what good girls do. They follow Jesus. And so it was like I always knew Jesus was real and I had this intimate relationship with him. But a big part of it was just doing it because that's what good girls do. Um, mm. And so the same year my mom said that, the same year that um, I gave my life to Jesus was the same year that sexual abuse started for me at five years old. Um, and I've blocked a lot of it out, but it started at that point. And so there's just some some really haunting memories from a very young age mm. and just trying to tell people but being silenced and then thinking well oh well if they're telling me not to tell anyone well then obviously a good girl doesn't tell and just the the crazy things that come from that and so it went from like i love jesus he's real to okay well i love him and it's good that i love him because that's what good girls do and then it was like yeah now i'm just really confused and i'm gonna do whatever i have to do to be a good girl for my family and (sighs) that was like kind of the mindset i had um 
And so it was like my parents loved me really, really well, and they had no idea what was going on. Like I loved my siblings, even though they were messy, right? Right. Um, but all this stuff was just happening because these people were coming in, and while most of them were amazing, some of them were not. And so, you know, and then by the time I get into third grade, my uncle uh, got out of prison, came to live with us for a few years, and um, he basically was... He said he had had a successful day when he could... Um, make me cry and he would carry around like tissues in his pocket and pull them out whenever he had made me cry that day and the same to my sister and so he spoke lie after lie after lie into us and so talk about the enemy using lies the enemy didn't have to speak anything because he had my uncle right and so um and so, that, say, say that again he his idea of a successful day was when he could make us cry like me and like my that was sister. the intention that was the intention and he'd carry around tissues in his pocket so it was like he was waiting for it all day. Oh. Um, yeah. And so he said a lot of things to get us to that point every day when uh, my parents weren't around. And so. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, it's crazy what the Lord's done. He's redeemed so much of it. And it's a big part of my story. But we'll get there. Yeah. Um, We're still going. <laughs> yeah, still going. And so, yeah, that was a that was a rough three years. But I remember yeah. he got arrested for drunk driving when I was in sixth grade. Um, and. You know, at that point, I hated everything about myself. It was like, I love Jesus, but hated myself. And yeah. um, I could, you know, write you lists of everything I didn't like about myself. And then we were in church, and the pastor was doing this series called Identity Theft. And um, basically, he was like, this is who the enemy is, this is who God is, and this is who God says we are. But the enemy tries to steal our identity. And I remember as a 12-year-old girl, I was like, oh my gosh, the enemy's been trying to steal my identity. Like, that's me. And <laughs> It's like, it was like, wow, if that's who God really is and if that's who I can be, that's what I want. And I prayed the prayer for the, you know, 15th time, but I yeah. remembered something clicked that day because I've never forgotten it. Um, mm. And so after that, I was like, I don't know. I just started going to tell everyone at school about Jesus to come to youth group with me. And I started um, fighting for human trafficking because some guy came to our church like a month later and was like telling us about human trafficking so i was like holding lemonade stands to raise money <laughs> to fight uh, to like build a safe home uh yeah. like i so already I a little entrepreneur <laughs> yeah basically yeah we like because my church was doing this fundraiser to build a safe home yeah and they needed two hundred thousand dollars and like i just held as many like lemonade stands as i could and i think i ended up raising like six hundred dollars Hey, that's not um, bad. Yeah, it was. That's good kid money. Oh yeah, Heck well, yeah. but that it's cool because that's when the Lord like showed me that I had a gift for public speaking and yeah. like getting people to rally, and yep. so um, that was cool. But you know, lies don't just go away without actively trying to uproot them, right? Because we have the truth that God offers that we're loved and He's given us worth and we have value and yep. we're beautiful and we're a masterpiece and we're His friend. And we're alive and he's given us joy and he's given us a seat in heavenly places. And I can keep yep. going. There's so many things that God says about us. Um, but when we've already been told these lies, they don't just go away, right? You can say yep. them together, but it doesn't make sense. And so right. you have to be intentional about taking those out and replacing them with the truth God has. Yep. Um, and, you know, I just didn't have the tools to do that at that time. And so by the time I got to eighth grade, I was still a very insecure girl. And the bad boy in school liked me. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, cool. Awesome. And um, entered into a relationship with him. And for two years, that was really abusive in like every sense mm. of the word. And um, yeah, it was funny because we were so young, but we were basically living as if we were like 25 just by the way the relationship was. Right. Um, and it was extremely emotionally abusive, uh, sexually abusive, physically abusive. And so I remember just eighth grade was 
crazy and ninth grade was crazy for me in that sense and uh, he cut me off from all my friends everybody Mm. i was still going to church every sunday though and so i remember being in church about three months in and the lord was like break up with him and i remember that being the first time i ever said no to the lord um why is that why do you think well i just thought what happened there was i already had no friends because he had cut me off and his parents had convinced my parents that I was not who I said I was. And I thought, like, Jesus, I have nothing. Like, you don't understand what you're asking. And what I didn't understand at the time was that Jesus is everything. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know that, that yes. at the time. And obviously, I would have said yes if I would have known, but I didn't. So, like, if I, don't, if I don't have this, I don't have anything. Basically, right. yeah. yeah. If I don't have this, I don't have anything. I don't have anyone. Yikes. And so, it was a scary place. That's a scary place to be when that's what your, your mindset is. And yep. so, it progressively got worse and worse. And I remember going to um, youth group. Like, we went on a camping trip. And it was the first time I got to, like, have time alone with the Lord apart from this guy. And I remember just, like, speaking to the Lord and feeling so free just being, like, with him. And mm. I was like, Lord, can I have you and have him? Like, I'll stop all the sexual stuff. Like, I'll stop it. I'll do whatever I can. Like, I just want both of you. And, of course, things don't always work out that way. Often that's not the case. Right, um, right. And so I tried that, but it kind of enraged the guy I was with. And so it got even more abusive, and which led to a rape, which led to a miscarriage, which, um, you know, just led to a lot of suicidal thoughts and in the midst of suicidal thoughts of feeling like, well, if I would have said yes to the Lord, this wouldn't have happened. It was like the Lord. It's Lord's, your fault, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's my fault. Like the shame that comes from that. And the Lord just stepped in and said, no, it's no. Like I have you. Do not give up your life. Like I've got things for you and I've got people who care about you. And I just, I remember thinking that and well, I, hearing that from the Lord and being like, okay, Lord, I trust you. And Literally not even a month later, one of the youth group leaders realized what was going on and she pulled me out of that relationship. You know, she said, I'll talk to you every single day on the phone for as long as I have to. And it took me six months, but I got out and, um, you know, it was... It's a long six months. Yeah, it was a long six months. And this Um, is in ninth grade. Ninth grade, yeah. So, um, it was crazy. And I remember right after I got out, they had this, um, this night of just like... A girls sleepover with all the girls from the youth group and I came and we did like a compliment chair and there was a veil to like tell us that we were the bride of Christ and everyone got like the veil and it was this like yeah. special start to a season of learning God's love for me and having good friends in the youth group and I remember yeah. I began to walk up and down the beach every single day and just like talk to God and so right. that's when I began to know God and as high school continued things continued to get hard I I started to have PTSD I um you know my understandable yeah yeah, my dad got sick and things were really rough there for a long time but when my dad was sick and he wasn't really able to be a dad i remember Mm -hmm. the lord sending me different men like my youth pastor to be really deeply involved in my life and so it was like he was always god always stepped in as my father and then sent me extra people whenever i needed it and so i feel like in high school the first thing that god ever did was showed me he was a father and in the midst of all that i definitely didn't deserve it because I was, uh, you know, leading a small group. I was starting a Christian club. I was telling everyone about Jesus, but I was still drinking and still like, you know, desperate for attention and still kissing boys and doing all the crazy (laughs) things, right? Living that double life, but not realizing. I didn't think any of that stuff was wrong because I wasn't reading my Bible all the time. And um, I remember when everything was going wrong with my family, I was the only one really following Jesus at the time. Like, they all knew Jesus, but they were all just kind of, like, far from him. Right. Um, and the Lord, my senior year, said, 
go to Liberty University. And I remember having a three hour conversation with him because I was like, Lord. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, Lord, I know how it goes when I say no to you. So yeah. here's the thing. I'm not going to say no, but you got to tell me what's going on here because don't you see what's going on? Like, yeah. don't you see that my family needs me? This isn't going to work, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's like when it. the Lord was like, you're trying to be a savior mm. when you're supposed to be an intercessor. And I'm the only savior. And so he said that to me and mm. I was like, wow. And he was like, and I've got things for you at Liberty. And I remember just like suddenly like just envisioning myself on a college campus. And like I felt this feeling of freedom, which yeah. was really strange because that wasn't something I knew. Um, and so I went to Liberty and it was insane because literally, oh gosh, it was crazy. Huh. Um because the Lord started to see, like, show me healing, right? I got counseling. People started to speak truth into my life where I didn't even know I was believing lies. I mm. realized I was desperate for attention, and the Lord showed me his attention. And um, my dad got better. My brother got off drugs and ended up, like, getting saved that year. Um, my sister got hit by a car, which was crazy in a really rough few months, but she ended up finding Jesus through it. My mom found a best friend who really loves the Lord and like brought her closer after a long season of being far. And so like my literally the Lord took care of my entire family my freshman year yeah. and I had nothing to do with it. All I did was pray and it was completely the Lord. And he brought me all the like he started this long process of freedom. And I also began to feel hungry for the Bible. And mm. so I began to read the Bible every single day and it was like I couldn't get enough of it. It was like every day for like an hour to two hours I had yeah. to be reading the Bible. I had to be journaling. Um, which was never something I did before that. I was someone who always prayed a lot, but I never read the Bible a lot right. until I got to co like college. And it was this weird thing of like, just like, <clears throat> wow, I need to be reading the word. Like I need to be with the Lord. Um, and then in the middle of that year, the Lord was like, you're not going home for the summer. And I was like, okay, where am I going? <laughs> and it began this long process of like praying with him. Cause at this point I've definitely figured out his plans are better for me. Right. Um, yeah. You've done that whole I don't believe it thing yeah. enough times. He's like, okay. Exactly. The, and the so. The whole Turner family revival happened. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I and guess. so uh, I was like, okay, wherever you want me to go. And all these doors open and the Lord was like, no, I guess he was just trying to like see if I could hear his voice, you know. And then one day I was in class, not even paying attention. And um, <laughs> the Lord said, look up, this is it. And so I looked up and there was this man on the stage talking about his church in Las Vegas and how you could do an internship. And I basically missed all of his spiel, except for the fact that like internship, Las Vegas, it raise your hand if you want an info card. And I was like, me. Okay. <laughs> was this Richard? Is uh, that no, it oh, was okay. actually the guy who planted Grace city church, uh, Dave early. Okay. Um, and so I was like me. And then I was like, Lord, I'm so excited. Is this really you? Or is this me? I'm going to flip my Bible all around and like open my eyes and like put my finger somewhere and see where it lands. And it was like Jonah three. And Jonah finally goes to Nineveh and all the people right. repent and the city is saved. And <laughs> I was like, Nineveh, Las Vegas. Okay. Perfect. I'm going, Lord. And, yes. Um, yeah, so then I came out to Las Vegas that summer after my freshman year. And actually, my brother got baptized my first day in Vegas, which was a super special oh. thing. Yeah, crazy timing. Just the Lord. You um, were here. He's there. Yeah, he's wow. in rehab and he gets baptized that day. Um, That's quite a commissioning. Really. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he actually now leads a rehab program, but anyway, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. My brother's awesome. My sister's awesome. My family's <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so I got to Las Vegas and the Lord just showed me what identity in Christ really meant. That original message, right. That I heard in sixth grade. It was like, it wasn't just words anymore. It was getting rooted into my heart. And yeah. I did a lot of inner healing prayer and 
I began to learn that I was a leader too because I was going on the streets talking to people and they were getting saved and they were getting healed and like I was making a difference and I realized the Lord had called my life for such a thing as this Mm. and I realized that I had authority in Christ and I realized I had authority like spiritually even just to cast out the spiritual warfare and I um, realized the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I had never, I had read about the gifts of the Spirit but never seen them for myself and suddenly I was praying for someone and they would get miraculously healed on the spot on the street and I was like, Lord, this is crazy. You're way more powerful than I ever knew and for some reason you let us like you use us to display your power. This is insane. Yes. And so basically that summer I learned my identity, my power and authority. I learned about the Holy Spirit and I realized I didn't want to give myself to anything else but the Lord. I remember reading Hosea and it was like, don't give yourself to other lovers. And I was like, literally nothing else deserves my attention. I don't need attention from anything else anymore. And right. so I got back to Liberty and that year was an interesting year of all different things. Of course, as soon as you say that you're going to give all your attention to the Lord, things, all these things come to grab at your attention. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I ended up just in an interesting, really hard season of just trial. But I ended up realizing the Lord was like, I want to teach you to be my bride before you learn to be anybody else's. And so my sophomore year was learning how to be a leader and like run after revival and learn how to mm. be the bride of Christ. And what that the intimacy that comes where I'd literally get butterflies to sit down and pray with the Lord. Like I would I would get butterflies and literally on days where I didn't feel good, these random strangers would walk walk up to me and compliment me from all over the place. And randomly people would come up to me and get prophetic words from me that were just about the Lord loving me and about like this like romance he was taking me on and suddenly random wow. gifts were showing up from everywhere. Like I kid you not, like Things I had always said I'd wanted were showing up in my closet for free and there was no explanation how they got there. And like, <laughs> like I would just say I wanted something and it would show up. Like, yeah. I'd be like, how did this How did this get here? And so like the Lord literally took me on a year of romance with him. Wow. Um, and so then I came back to be a leading intern the next summer and I was like, okay, Lord. And, you know, of course, at that point, after you've gotten that much leadership, it's time to be humbled. And so really that summer, <laughs> how I would describe that summer is, learning maturity in using the gifts and also being humbled like ridiculously yeah. humbled that summer um, this is so, uh, a, a year ago two this years is three years three ago. years three okay. years ago okay. so yeah just being humbled and learning about leadership and learning how to use the gifts and then um that year i went back to liberty and i was just running after revival even harder than the time before and uh. i got to be in leadership there and i loved just telling people about like the fact that god wants to bring revival and it was a really cool season of being the friend of god where like the holy spirit was giving me just all these like words for people and for what what, what god wanted to do and it says that you know god is actually called the revealer of mysteries yeah and jesus says like i don't just call you servants because i reveal my secrets to my friends and so it felt like that year as he was beginning to tell me all different things he wanted to do and as um, scripture came even more alive and as yeah. I was praying over people and the Lord would tell me things about them that I shouldn't know and <laughs> it would lead to crazy revelation and breakthrough in their life. It was like I just learned what it was like to be a friend with God and it was so special. And then he called me to go to India um, that summer, <laughs> okay. which was crazy. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I left field. Okay. Went to India for a month and it was crazy because in the very place known for darkness, I have never experienced more peace in my life. And yeah. the funny thing is I struggle with anxiety and I never experienced so much peace than in a foreign nation that I went to all by myself to go work with an Indian church with no other Americans. And like, Gosh, and it was just insane because <laughs> the Lord just showed me his peace in a crazy way. And the Lord was like, 
hey, by the way, things aren't about you. And so he like just began to teach me the thing that we talked about in the beginning of like, it's not about you. And so like my feelings didn't matter whether I prayed for someone and something happened or didn't happen. It didn't matter because it wasn't about me and it was about God's glory. And if he wants to do something, he'll do something. And it has nothing to do with me. And like the only thing I can give him is my yes and my faithfulness. Yeah. And so that was amazing. Went back for my senior year and prepared to come move out here and to join staff. And it was another long season of just healing because there's always more healing. There's always more freedom and there's always more intimacy to have with the Lord. And so mm. now I've been out here for a year. Um, and I got to tell you, adulthood is a crazy, crazy time. But the thing that's defined this year is the Lord's kindness. I feel like the Lord reintroduced me to every bit of his character, to his goodness and to his kindness. And mm. it's been a crazy year of just seeing in, in everything, the hard things, the good things, the, the, the really, really rough days and the days that seem too easy that the Lord is just so kind. Huh. And so now I'm here. Wow. So, I, yeah. I don't know what to say. That's a, that's a pretty extreme contrast. Yeah. <laughs> so I have questions for you then. <laughs> yeah, ask me as many questions as you want. Oh, you don't want that. We'll be here all day. But um, so back to the subject of the lies versus the truth. Yeah. That That's such a, I think, a powerful thing for especially like teenagers to hear. Um. If you were, I mean, if you were sitting next to yourself as that third grader, whatever, eight years old, third grade, fourth grader, somewhere in there, what would you tell yourself? Hmm, that's a good question. A lot of things, but... I think I would tell myself that I didn't have to listen to him. I think I'd tell myself that loving Jesus isn't just about being good. Yeah. Um... I think I'd tell myself that I have more value than what he's saying. I think I'd tell myself it's okay to speak up. Um, and I definitely would have, yeah, I definitely would have spoken up if I could go back and tell that little girl. And I, I think I would need to tell myself that I wasn't crazy because mm. when I'd act like he was evil and saying mean things, he would act as if I was crazy. And so I think I would just tell that little girl that Jesus is so close. He's put so much value on you. You're not crazy. <clears throat> Loving him is so much more than just being good. And it's okay to speak up. Yeah. Like speaking up does not make you bad. If things get chaotic and he gets kicked out, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, so I, I'm generally a, a very peaceful person. I, you know, I'm pretty gentle. I run a children's ministry, so I'm, I'm known to be. You know, a teddy bear in a lot of ways. I can sense that. <laughs> but <laughs> when when it comes to, you know, thinking about, you know, the, this uncle, like that makes me angry. <laughs> like really, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't compute to me. I don't understand how that becomes um, like a, a rational course of action for somebody. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's, there's gotta be some kind of switch screw loose in there I, I don't get it um but my question for you is like how what's your journey with like forgiveness uh resentment anger is he still around like where where's how do you how do you even i have no idea where to even put that yeah how do you um, deal with it 
So my uncle actually passed away my freshman year of college, which was also something that led to a lot of healing in a weird way. Um, okay. I ended up on this, this track to forgiveness with him when he died. Um, and I, I don't know how to describe what forgiveness looked like for me, but I think forgiveness looks like a lot of things. One, it's realizing compassion for people and how they get to certain places. And the, the reality is there is justice for evil. And that is something that God displays. There's justice for evil. And so I do believe there's justice for evil. But right. even just this thought of, well, how did my uncle get there? And the amount of abuse he went through to become this person who felt like he needed to destroy other people. Right. And, um, and that was kind of a place I had to get to. And this place of, I'm not a victim. And when I hold anger, it hurts me more than it hurts anybody else. Yeah. And he wasn't even alive anymore for me to be angry at him. And yeah. so it was like, who am I angry at? Like, is it going to help me? And it's not. And the, the reality is when we become victorious um, rather than a victim, forgiveness is involved in that. It's, yeah. it's learning how to let go of hurts and how to forgive people, even sometimes more for your sake than their sake. And... It's realizing, too, that, like, I've been forgiven of much, and, like, who am I to not forgive somebody else? Yeah. And while that stuff might have been evil, and I think everyone has to go through their process, like, I hear unspeakable things, and I get angry for people all the time. Yeah. But it comes to a place of, Jesus forgave me, and who am I not to forgive somebody else? And if there's justice, it's the Lord's. Like, the Lord gets his justice and gets his revenge, and I have enough peace knowing that. And then um, me sitting around ruining myself being angry. And, um, you know, it was crazy because my second summer out here, we do this thing here called Burn Week. And, um, yeah, we do this thing called Burn Week where we worship. Not tw- burning not burning man. No, no, no. <laughs> it's burn we, week. Uh, okay. we worship every morning and every night. And we right. pray and we go through some kind of lesson that, like uproots deep things within us and we burn for the Lord. And, um, my second summer, I remember the Lord talking to me about forgiveness again. And he, you know, first off, forgiveness has like several layers. Like you never just forgive someone once and done. Like there's a, there's a lot of layers to forgiving someone. And someone once told me that you have to fully accuse to fully forgive. And I truly believe that. So fully Hmm. feeling the emotion that it caused you fully, understanding every the length of everything they did yeah and then still saying i forgive you is the most powerful thing and so you have to fully accuse before you can fully give uh forgive and um but they talked about forgiveness and i just remember i was praying with the lord and i just honestly got this vision of um the house that my ex-boyfriend lived in and i walked in and i felt this darkness everywhere and just like it was as if there was all this darkness and these demons everywhere speaking these lies to everyone in that house and i saw the the state that my ex-boyfriend was living in just being like you know just surrounded by darkness and i just remember like walking out of that and sitting next to the lord and i felt like the lord said i want him too and i and like it took me on a journey that week he said i want you to pray for it and so i prayed for my ex-boyfriend every day that week and then the lord released me from it but i prayed that he would come to know the lord and get freed um do i i don't know if that's actually happened from what i've heard i don't think so but um you can't really stay angry with someone for too long that you're praying for yes and so i think the lord had me do that um to really go through forgiveness because you know when i talk about 
all of that stuff well it was really hard i feel zero amounts of anger towards him and so and that's that's really a miracle in itself that i don't feel any anger towards my uncle or towards my ex-boyfriend that's incredible so that's impossible that's what it is it's jesus really because i don't have strength to do it in myself and even now i still get angry at things and forgiveness is still hard yeah but i just remember it's a process and i remember how much i've been forgiven and there's this this trick to praying for people really too and like praying for them praying for the things you hope for them to be and um it creates this compassion asking for the lord to reveal where they're actually at and what would cause them to do the very things they do yeah and those things always lead me to uh, forgiveness. Yeah, Un- understanding is almost never a bad thing when it when yeah. it comes to things like that. I, I, I don't have people that that I think I would hold in as deep a contempt as that person for you, but um, I've got a couple, and it's always been helpful for me to realize, like, okay, this I I don't believe this human is evil. I think there there's reasons why they're the way they are. They're sick. And, you know, me holding on to some kind of feeling of vengeance and all that just doesn't, that's not going to change them. It's not going to change me. What does is actually like just what you're talking about. We, we can intercede. We can pray. We can heal ourselves. And maybe then we're in a position to help heal them at, yeah. at least. And, but, you know, the thing that's crazy too is we have Jesus where a lot of those people don't. Or they think exactly. they have Jesus and they don't. Or... You know, they have Jesus, but they might not be hearing things. And I have the chance to really ask the Lord to uproot lies. Like, Lord, yeah. what did this stir in me? And then he'll show me. It stirred this lie in me. What's your truth? Can yeah. you show me? And the Lord will show me, like, this is actually what I say about you. Right. And so, like, there's this re- redemption that gets to happen for me. And so why wouldn't I want that for others? Yeah. Exactly. Well, and now you're, it, it makes you available for that thought process to even happen. Because if you're stuck just being pissed, <laughs> you're not going to get there. You're not going to listen to him. That's amazing. Uh, I'm curious about like where your parents are at right now. Yeah, so my parents actually come to visit tomorrow. Um, they're doing... Oh, they're, that's right, they're coming here. Yeah, they're ah, coming cool. here. And so my parents are doing pretty well. They're loving Jesus and they are... Um, both working like 60 hours a week, uh, you know, on the grind what on they, Long Island. What do they do? My dad's a car dealership salesman and he's uh, he makes pizza as well in New yes. York. So like oh. legit New York pizza, yes. trains people how to make pizza uh, in a pretty well-known <laughs> like pizza place on Long Island. Um, awesome. And then my mom is a waitress at Friendly's and a real estate agent. So they both do a little bit of food wow. and a little bit of sales. So <laughs> They're busy folks. That's a high capacity family. <laughs> yeah. So... They work a lot of hours, yeah. um, but it's been cool just to see them continue to find Jesus and continue to love him and go deep. And they knew Jesus my entire life, but when things get hard, you know, bitterness rises. And yeah. it's been amazing to see just like my parents let go of bitterness and yeah. see my parents um, really just discover the Lord in a whole new way. Like my mom has told me some pretty cool stories about even just like realizing the difference of like god's always with us but there's times where you actually feel his presence like his presence is always there Mm. but there's times where you feel his presence and so i remember this year she started talking to me about what it was like to feel the lord's presence which you know is just so amazing because it's something i'm used to at this point but i forget that other people aren't pursuing that aren't experiencing that and so yeah to hear my mom be like yeah like the lord's been showing me his presence i was like 
What? That's amazing. <laughs> well, that's what this place is for people where you're at, right? This yeah. Is, you hear it. You feel it. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Uh, have they heard all what we've talked about for the last hour almost? Or Not all of it, no. 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 Um, not all of it, but a good amount of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so what do you think? Is Because how old are you right now? 22. Right. So everybody listening just went, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think just from my own story. I, I didn't come to Christ until I was 22. Oh, wow. So, I, you know, I grew up in a Catholic church but never got it. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if they never taught the gospel or if I just wasn't listening. It's probably, you know, somewhere in the middle of those two. <laughs> um but I spent a number of years away and, you know, just in rebellion. I didn't like God, didn't want anything to do with him, made fun of mm-hmm. people who did, you know, that kind of guy. But, uh, you know, I, I got saved at 22, you know, and it took, I think, at least eight years before I think I was usable <laughs> in a lot of ways. I had a lot of growing to do. Mm-hmm. And to think of like, okay, so you're, you're where you are right now. And I, I can see already how God has kept his promise to you, to that, that I make good of all things yeah. to those who are called to my purpose, right? This is, this is your life. You're, you're there, you know, but for, from the perspective of most people, you're just starting. Yeah. You're 22. Yeah. Like. It's a scary thought sometimes. <laughs> what the heck? Like, what is he, what is he going to do? Uh, I mean, so. The question I'm getting at is like, you're you're here, you're now. I'm not asking you to tell me I'm leaving YWAM, you know. But what do you, what do you think he's preparing you for next? Because he is, whether you know it or not, or even have an inkling of it or not. Like there's there's things ahead. Like what are you what are you seeing on your horizon here? Yeah. Well, let me say two things about what the Lord's done. Um, yeah. Joseph says to his brothers when he's forgiving his brothers. What you meant to harm me, the Lord used for the saving of many lives. And that's something that I I speak over myself. And I I believe the Lord's spoken over me. It's like what what the enemy meant for harm, uh, the Lord has used for the saving of many lives. And um, that's something I hope to see for the rest of my life is to see people give their lives to Jesus and to see people encountered with hope and with the presence of God. Yeah. Um, On top of that, uh, when I was younger, like trying to speak up about abuse and not having people listen because they were scared um my voice was stolen and the lord has now given me a voice Mm. which has been really amazing that i get to speak into the lives of a lot of people pretty often and i get to speak truth into so many people and i i feel like that's a full round circle redemption yeah Um, to have my voice stolen and then have a voice um and get to get to speak to so many different people and so I have no idea what the future holds, but I know what God has for me is better probably than the plans I have for myself. I really want to see a revival today. I want to see, um, I have a heart for missions and discipleship. Uh, I really feel like I'm supposed to go to the nations for small pockets of time. And then I just want to like launch other people there. I have a huge heart for the church of the U S and for discipleship to happen here. Um, and I love getting to speak and tell people about what God is doing and what God's done in my life and what God wants to do in their life. And yeah. so if that looks like preaching or 
conferences or leading a program like this or small groups, whatever it is, like I just love to teach. And so those are all the things that I love. And I just know the Lord's going to do something with all of them. At this current point, I have no idea what life's going to look like. I know the Lord told me to be content for three years and not even ask him where I go next. Um, and oh, so darn it. Now I just did. Shoot. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> I get this question all the time. Yeah. Um, so I've got a solid two more years before I'm even allowed to ask him what's next, which next could still be here yeah. or next could be somewhere else. But wherever it is, I know the Lord's plan is best. There's... Scary sometimes. The unknown is scary, but <laughs> no kidding. he's been too good too many times before. So there is a certain freedom in just being where you are. Yeah. And and not always. I, I'm I'm the other way. I'm always looking like I'm incessant, obsessive. Like, are you familiar with like uh, medical algorithms? No. So if, <laughs> if you call nine one one, they say hello. What's your emergency? And if you tell them, oh, my dad just fell on the ground, then they flip this little book over. Okay, it's a uh, medical. Bam. Okay, is he breathing? No. Okay, they flip again. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, check this, and then so they go down this pathway to figure out what. So. In my head, I have my life planned out like that. <laughs> I've got this book and all these little options. The funny part is the way I've worked it all out, of course, because I'm I'm so sovereign, right? Is that they all <laughs> they all end up converging again into like the the end that I want to end up at. It never goes that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm always does. off the page somewhere, way over here. Oh yeah, yeah. it never does. I, I mean, I actually do think about the future a lot, but it's something the Lord continuously brings me back out of. It's yeah. like I think about the future, I panic a little bit, and then Lord's like, "Didn't I tell you to be content and chill?" If yeah, basic <laughs> chill out. Yeah. And it's, there is something beautiful to being where you're at, and the more I learn how to be where I'm at, and the more I even hold on to Philippians four eight, which is like. Uh, think about whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is excellent, yeah. whatever is praiseworthy, right? And Perfect. when we're thinking about um, the future and freaking out, it's not lovely, it's not right, it's not excellent. And the no. funny thing about that verse is it comes right after, do not be anxious about anything, but yeah. with prayer and petition, go to the Lord about everything. Yes. And um, something that I, like a chronic sin that I struggle with is worry. And that's something that I'm really trying to overcome. And so the Lord's been teaching me on how to keep my thoughts lovely and right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and how to be content where I'm at. And it's yeah. by no means natural or easy to me, but it is where the Lord's taking me. Yeah. Yeah. What a great, that's such a wise perspective. I feel like I didn't figure that out until a couple of years ago. I'm 36 right now. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm freaking old. But uh, yeah, that's a powerful lesson. I, I wish... This is this is my struggle because I want to figure out a way to to translate that into a, a message that we can drop into the brain of one of these high schoolers here, or, or you know, the kids I work with on Sundays are six years old, hmm. and um, I struggle with it so much because I I'm starting to see that in most cases I can't make someone understand that there's. I can teach them principles. I can like give them these little building blocks, but it's the life experience that comes later. That's when they can actually pick that building block up and like snap it in somewhere. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I like coming on these mission trips with our high schoolers because a lot of them used to be our grade schoolers. <laughs> so I can see them. I could see their gears turning and they're looking for that piece. Like, oh, I, I, I can't I can't hand it to them. I could see it sitting there. I'm like, I know the thing you need to hear because I told it to you six years ago. 
but I can't I can't give it to you now. You have to pick it up. And and I just I love coming here because they do, and they find a place for it and they snap it in there. It's beautiful. It's so joyful when you see someone pick up the piece. And I yes. think, um, just remembering to have grace for people's process the way Jesus had grace for you yes. and yours, you know. And I, <laughs> that's something I struggle with too because I'm like, just understand. Why don't you know? Right. I'm telling this you. This is so simple. This is, <laughs> this is so simple. This is so basic. And I'm like, okay, right. Christina, like, how many years did it take you to get this? Like, right. even me in high school, like, it wasn't until literally I repented the summer in between senior year and freshman year of college that, like, I literally had a session of repentance where I was. I was drunk as could be and <laughs> I was sitting there like, why am I doing this? The only thing that satisfies is Jesus. Like this is for people who don't have Jesus. And I remember that exact thought came to my mind mm. while I was almost blacked out drunk. And, but it took me all that time, right? Cause right. I'm, I know Jesus is going to get saved in sixth grade. I know him from five years old, but it took me until I'm graduating high school, going into college to figure it out. And right. Uh, some people it takes longer some people get it right away i mean the people in the bible seem to drop their sin like the second <laughs> they get saved um and i i think that's the way it's supposed to be but culture yeah. is different here you know we're not like risking our lives for persecution here in america because it's different and, yeah, yeah. and so just like remembering to have grace for people's process and remembering how long it took you and right. seeing that like it will be so exciting for them to get it but like the Lord has perfect timing for when people get those revelations for yeah. themselves. You know, there is like, there is a perfect timing to when people get certain revelations about God. Right, right. Well, and that's something I've said from my own story. I've, I've, I've caught myself saying a bunch of times, like, oh, I wish like somebody would have just told me this, like before, I would have understood it. I would have got it. But it, no, probably not. Right? <laughs> probably not. Honestly, some things you just have to teach yourself. And go through on your own. Some things I didn't. I think everybody's tuned differently. You know, there's some some of the students too. You you can tell them like, hey, watch out for this, and they're like, oh, cool, thanks. And they and got it. Never do it. Yeah, that's like, it. Wow, that's all. Wow, I should tell everybody that. But no, some of you got to teach it to yourself and watch them go through the mud, and then stand on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're back. <laughs> how, how did that work out? <laughs> um, is there anything else on your mind? That you'd like to immortalize in, in digital uh, audio hmm. format here. You want to tell the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think just that developing a foundation of your identity in Christ and who God is and his character is probably the most important thing that you could ever do. Because it all starts from the basic foundation of the gospel, who God is, his love for you, and who that makes you. Like, who God is determines who we are. Um, yeah. And his His love for us really determines that. Like, we're defined by his love for us, not by what the world says about us. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are scared to go and pursue freedom because pers- in the midst of healing is pain, but pain leads yeah. to remarkable freedom. And so, I guess to anyone listening, I would just say, pursue freedom pursue god's character and pursue your identity and let it go from being head knowledge to heart knowledge because there's a lot of things i read that jesus said about me in the bible but i thought i was the exception and jesus died for way more on the cross than for me to think that i'm the only exception who am i that that would be the case it's not the case and it's not the case for anyone listening like you are someone valuable that jesus died for 
whether you have said yes to him or not he died for you and you get the choice to say yes to him and you get the choice to then ex receive the gift of eternal life the gift of relationship with him the gift of his love for you the gift of Preach who he it. says you are and yes. so receive yes. the gift it takes a lot of people a long time but as soon as you can receive the gift it's beautiful and that's it yeah well said well said you have an anointing <laughs> thank you it's all the holy spirit i know it is I know, and the fact that you say that proves it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm awesome. That's right. <laughs> Gifts. <laughs> no, no, I, I uh, I'm humbled by you in a lot of ways. Uh, I admire a lot about you. I okay. see, I see something special in you, and I, I see what you do here. Um, yeah, there's, God's had His hand on you, even in the times you didn't know it, uh, He still did because I think you've been prepared for something special. Thank you. And I don't, I don't know what's next. I'm not supposed to ask you for a couple of years, so I guess. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see just the ground you're going to take for the kingdom, the ground you've already taken. It's amazing, even just within yourself. I think that's a huge victory. Hmm. Um, and it's all him. Yeah, stay humble, <laughs> stay available. Try it's, it. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Right on. Give me a high five. Here's what we do. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> so there you have it. That's our interview for Christina Turner. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming on the show. That was uh, powerful for me. That Honestly, um, that was one of the few times that I've come very close to just totally losing it <laughs> on my own show. Um, just her, her backstory is uh, just incredible to me, but the the perspective she has on the gospel and, the, and her attitude about things and the things that she says now just blows me absolutely away. Uh, I was humbled to speak to her, and I'll, I'll be so um, eager to see what God is going to do next with, uh, with a woman like that. It's going to be amazing, and uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, Please share this episode if you want to help the show get around there. If you want to hear Christina's words on other people's mouths, uh, I believe that her words are powerful and they need to be shared. So share the episode. If you want to come on the show, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com and I will look forward to uh, you hearing me <laughs> talk to somebody next time. Goodbye. And, you know, just being overly personal with, with information that I haven't, you know, cleared with other people is important. But um, I have I've been struggling with something, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show yet. I, I lose track. We've spent a lot of hours here. But it, it's something that, that has been going on in my heart that I, um, I have felt that I've been able to uh, grow beyond the point of doing things just to impress other people. I, I don't think that's a primary motivator for why I do what I do 
ministry wise or podcast wise or you know going to this Vegas thing, I, I I think I've managed to check that for the most part within myself. You know, it's not a hundred percent gone. I don't, I don't think it ever can be. No one's ever a hundred percent anything, right? But I think that that's kind of slid off the radar. But there's something else that's come up which I didn't realize was still playing a very big role in my mind, and that is the disapproval of others. You know, I, I, I can I can I can say that the I don't do things for people's approval, but their disapproval really has the ability to shake me uh, deeply. You know, I can get a hundred compliments on something, but if I get one person that thinks I'm a, an idiot, you know, it, it really gets in my head and it, it'll throw me off. And, you know, if, if it comes from somebody's who, who opinion that I hold highly or, you know, because everyone gives, you know, some stranger on the street calling me an idiot, you know, okay, well, that, that's one thing. But somebody that I trust, you know, who I believe cares for me and loves for me, if I feel like, like they're disapproving of me or they think I'm an idiot, then okay, that'll that'll shake me up quite a bit. And that that's happened a couple times over the last year or so. And I've just found it to, it, it works its way into my mind like a worm. And it, it starts to undermine my ability to serve in a lot of ways, to, to serve out my calling. Because I believe that I'm called to do the things that I'm doing. I, I write curriculum for children. I teach them. Uh, you know, I work with high schoolers. I, I do these things, and I and I have no doubt that that is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. That that's what God is calling me to. But then there's this disapproval thing that comes in, and it it, it works its way into me, it worms its way into my mind, and it makes me start to doubt my calling, and <laughs> it makes me doubt my effectiveness, my value to to various teams that I'm on you know and I start to believe all kinds of lies that you know oh people don't actually want you here oh you wouldn't be missed if you didn't do this or that that you know you're some kind of second class you're a b-list person you're not valuable and gosh and and that just that fries me and and, and it irritates me because while on one hand I'm so confident in my calling this is causing me to doubt it on the other hand um and it's it's really caused me, especially over this trip that I just took to Vegas, it, it caused me to kind of step back from things and just really consider, you know, why do I do what I do? What is my calling? You know, and how can I begin to extract and separate, you know, my my feelings or my, my opinion or the, the even not even not even always spoken but my perception of what people think of me can i separate that from my calling and my mission cuz i believe and i do this a lot if i were the devil i would tell myself exactly the things that i tend to believe about myself when i'm feeling you know down or or out like this that i i want to undermine my ministry i want to short circuit my thoughts i want me to believe that I'm worthless, that I wouldn't be missed, and that I should just give up. That's what I would tell myself if I were the devil. Well, I think that's um, obviously not what I should be believing then. And I think what it comes down to is this, that my calling uh, is my calling. And I'm good at what I'm good at. I'm not good at what I'm not good at. And I need to approach my ministry with that, that kind of humble attitude to realize that I am not going to make everybody happy all the time. Fortunately, 
I don't have to. <laughs> That's not my job. My job is to faithfully pursue Christ and to faithfully pursue what he's called me to do and do that. And if if for some reason, uh, you know, okay, I, I'm not this person's favorite person or this person didn't like that that I did. Okay, well, you know what, let's let's consider their criticism. Like, is there anything I can do? Is there anything way I can grow? Are they right in any ways? Is there is there some meat here that I can eat while I leave the bones behind, right? Like, no one eats a rib totally. You chew the meat off and you throw the bones away. And I think that's that's what God is leading me to realize, that the approval that I'm looking for is only found in him. Is only found in the fact that Christ says to me, you are my servant. I am sending you. Go into the world and make disciples. Here is your gifting. Here are your talents. Use them for my kingdom. And and your approval comes from me. That's what God says. And I don't need the approval of other people. And I, I realized that before. But the, the piece that I'm trying to attach onto that now is that I that people's disapproval does not take anything away from the fact that God has called me to do what I'm doing. And to, to spend time focusing on that, to let that dominate my world, to let that even undermine my ministry, is only to give the devil a foothold, honestly. And is only to, to just give him a win. And, and I'm not saying that the people criticizing me are evil. That's not it at all. I don't think they are. I, I, don't, I don't think I've talked to anybody whose intent was to just hurt me or derail my ministry, especially from other people who are in it with me, right? But I think my mind, my tendency, and I think the enemy is more than happy <laughs> to use those things against me. And uh, I, I'm not going to let him do that anymore. So I'm, I'm praying for a strength to continue to pursue mission in spite of, you know, whatever disapproval I see. And, and those of you who've, you know, kept the, the, the radio or the podcaster on this long, I just request that you would pray for me in that way too, that I could continue to boldly pursue the calling that Christ has put on my life and just not let the enemy or my own mind undermine what I believe I'm called to do with just these these doubts and you know this uh, approval seeking from the wrong sources but just to rely on Christ instead of myself so there you go I guess that was a that was a pretty deep after nugget to go with a pretty deep podcast <laughs> gosh thank you for listening see you later